Psalm 63. It says, Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. And at all times, when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling angry, when you're feeling confused, when you're feeling lost, trust in God at all times. Pour out your heart to him. Pour out your heart to God. Give him your emotions, your thoughts, the things that, are, that you're struggling with that are confusing you. Give it to him. Why? Because he is our refuge. In him we find strength. In him we find safety. In him we find in his presence. In him we find wisdom. We find, we find counsel. In him we find life. So the encouragement here is for us to come and to give the Lord um, our hearts completely. Um, to pour it out on him, no matter what it is that we're feeling. The emotion or the topic that we'll be discussing today is conflict. Conflict. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, I'll ask you to go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. And then we'll also go through a few teachings of Jesus. There are two teachings of Jesus found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 and chapters 18. Conflict is hard, isn't it? Comfort, uh, conflict is uncomfortable. It's difficult to talk about at times. But when I look at our nation, we are a nation in conflict, amen. Just last year, at the end of 2021, the Pew Research Organization surveyed people from all different demographics, political backgrounds, ideologies, and what they discovered is that the United States, I have a picture over here of their article, uh, that the United States has a stronger societal conflict than any other of the 17 most enhanced economies in the world. So we're the number one country that has the most societal conflict in the developed world, our country does. We've seen political conflict, we've seen racial conflict, we've seen ethnic conflict, economic conflict, ideological conflict. Interesting that the one thing that people are united on, because there's very little left left that we're united on anymore, but the one thing that people of this country are united on is that we're divided. The irony there, right, of the one thing we could all agree on is that, hey, we're all pretty divided. You see there, over 80% of the people, according to an NBC poll, said that our country is very divided. Only 19% saying that we're united. These divisions, these conflicts that we've seen over the last few years, I've witnessed myself and I've heard from others that these conflicts have divided lifelong friendships. People who grew up together, talked together, families knew each other, no longer discussing, no longer talking, no longer living together. Why? Because there's conflict, there's division. I've heard and I've seen how these conflicts have divided families. Even in the church, you're experiencing some of this conflict. Why are things so polarized? Why are things so divided? Sociologists, those who study people, anthropologists, they'll blame things like social media, the advancement of what we would call fake news, whatever your definition of that is. Or some people would say our, our culture, our nation is very tribal. Everyone is kind of separating into different groups and going into different factions. And we become tribal 
as a people, sociologists, anthropologists, those who study science and the human nature would say those are the leading reasons why we're so divided. And I believe there's some truth to that. But I believe at the core of humanity is that there's something broken. There's something broken in all of us as humans. As I've seen, and maybe you've witnessed this as well, we've, we've lost the art of civility. Civility is out the window. We no longer aim for reconciliation or reason. Those are lost arts. What's in nowadays is blame shifting. Well, this conflict, I have no part in it. It's someone else's fault. It's the other political party's fault. It's that family's fault. It's that race's fault. It's this group's fault. It's the government's fault. And we become experts in shifting blame onto others. All the rage now is my truth. How many of you have heard that? If it's my truth, it's my truth. There's no ending, no getting when it comes to my truth. But is your truth really truth? What about cancel culture? One offense, people are quick to cut you off. No reasoning, no reconciliation. Gone is the days that we can honestly be introspective and look within it and say, what was my role in this conflict? What part did I play here in this situation? But the that, that's gone. Gone are the days of us being honest with ourselves and saying, maybe I'm part of the problem and not part of the solution. Many years ago, this was uh, in the early 1900s, J.K. Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton, he was a philosopher, he was an author. Um, they asked him a question, and they asked him this question. They said, what is wrong in the world today? Would you answer that question? They would ask someone to ask them, honestly, what's wrong with the world today? Some of us would be quick to pull out our laundry list and name five, ten, maybe fifteen, twenty different things that's wrong with society, wrong with culture, wrong with the world. Why is it broken? We'll, we'll be quick to answer everything that's wrong. But look at what JT, uh, JK Chesterton said when he asked them, what is wrong in the world today? He said two words, two powerful words. His words were simply this, I am. This kind of humility, this kind of ability to be introspective when it comes to our conflicts is missing. Because it's everyone else's and everybody else's fault except my own. But man, we can learn from G.K. Chesterton, right? When we think of what's wrong with the world today, Thank you. 
foundations will stay. Let us reason together, says, you, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Verse 19, if you only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. Um, if we go back to verse 18, you see the first word there is just revealing the, 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 the nature of God, uh, the invitation to come. And come what? Come now. You see, that reveals the heart of God. God, our God is a God of invitation. He doesn't shut anybody out. He doesn't cancel anybody. The invitation is for you to come and to come to him and to come and do what? To come and reason together. It's, it's, it's a God who's knocking on the door of your heart and saying, look, I want to make peace with you. So come, let's settle this. Let's reason together. Let's talk this out. And that's the nature of God. Many times, God is inviting us to come. He says, come to the wedding feast. Come, those who are burdened, come and follow me. Come, those who are thirsty and those who are hungry. God's nature is always inviting, initiating to what? To reason together. And this should be our method of handling conflict because what you see here is, is uh, a conversation that would probably never happen in a workplace or in a bar today. Because on one side, you have a holy, just, perfect God. And on the other end of the conversation, you have a sinner who, who Scripture says, is sin as red as crimson. This is about as opposite a part as you could get, right? This would be like, you know, a liberal and a conservative. They ain't going to have a reasonable conversation. Not today, because we forgot how to do that. But here, God is modeling for us and saying, hey, if a holy, righteous God without sin, blameless, perfect, can have a reasonable conversation with a scarlet, crimson, huge sinner, so could you. But what's got to be the method? Come, let us reason together. Let's talk this out. Let's talk this out. The, the word crimson and scarlet there in these days, the, the, the red dye that they would use to dye clothing uh, back in the, the ancient times were, um, would come from a worm, and the worm, um, when it would die, planting its eggs, it's a pretty tragic story, but it's part of nature. Uh, the mother worm would die uh, planting the eggs on, on a tree, in a wooden tree. Um, it would leave a red stain after the worm uh, died, and then people would go and gather that kind of red stain and they would use it. They would dilute it and they would, they would you know, dye clothing and certain, certain things red. And, and even today, moms who wash a lot of clothes, you know red is hard to get out of all the colors. Red is the hardest to get out of clothing. And this red dye, once something was dyed red, it was next to impossible to be taken out. Now, interestingly, if that worm died on that wooden tree, it would leave a red stain. But over time, over time, nature would run its course, and that red stain would turn white. This is uh, this 
and we call it surrendering, right? You don't come like, you better save me right now. You are not going to pay attention to that. You come broken, humble, face down, saying, Lord, it's you that I need. It's only you who can wash me white as snow. And I surrender. I lay down my life, my agenda, my dreams, my plan, my ambitions. Differences are exchanged, and there's a willingness there to listen and to empathize. To listen and to empathize. So, church, before we even talk about how do we do conflict, we got to understand what conflict is for. Conflict is for reasoning together and for restoration. The goal of every conflict should be how can I understand this person? have them understand you. And how can this conflict be resolved in a way that we're restored one unto the other? Just like God restored before God before Jesus. So Jesus gives the blueprint. He gives us the, the, the playbook, if you will, in how we are supposed to handle conflict. So let's go over now to the New Testament of the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, this is Jesus' sermon on the mount. This is Jesus preaching this amazing um, sermon to, to the multitudes that have gathered there. And Jesus is teaching many, many different things here. He, he had already spoken the Beatitudes, which tell us how we're supposed to treat one another and love one another and be what your attitude should be, the attitude towards one another. Jesus talked about how we are called to be salt and light to this earth, to bring light to darkness, and to be salt, to be preserved, that is, to be those who change culture and keep things pure and lasting. He would talk about the law, and then Jesus would talk about anger. If there's one prevailing emotion of conflict, it's usually what? Anger. And Jesus would teach, and he would say, heard, you should not murder, those who are angry against their brother or sister are guilty of what? Of murder in their hearts. Whoa. Yes, murder is in the hearts too. And he continues, and he's now, he switched gears to anger, and he's just dropped this, this nuke on the people who've been listening because they know the law, they know the law well, and they know thou shalt not murder. But they never heard, even you hate or have anger towards a brother in your heart, you're just as guilty as if someone who murders someone physically. That is a bomb. But then Jesus just doesn't leave them with nothing. He gives them the steps now of how to make that right. So I love Jesus as a teacher. So thorough. So here he's saying, this is how you I'm going to share with you four practical, real, applicable steps for you to handle conflict. Okay, they'll be on your screen. So Jesus, after just telling them that even if you have hate or anger towards a brother, you're just as guilty as a brother. This is what he says in verse 23 of, of Matthew chapter 5. He says, so, because you all like to be so religious, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, being very applicable here. 
So it's important that, that I give you the disclaimer that these these instructions are for believers. These are for people who, who are trying to live Christ like and, and, and living being led by the Spirit because these are difficult instructions. And if you're a person here and you've never surrendered your life to Christ and invited them into your heart, good luck trying to do this because this is something that's only done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, we're not built with this. We don't have a switch that we can flick that helps us make conflict right. It's not going to be your strength. It's going to be the power of God who does it in your life. So this is for a believer. The picture here is of a person worshiping God. Right? And then we have an amazing worship team. We come and we worship. And, and some of us get it all in our fields, right? And you're feeling it. And you might even have some tears coming down your face. And you're trying to hide them so nobody sees them. Here of somebody who's coming and giving an offering, presenting a gift to God. It could be an offering of grace, it could be an offering of prayer, it could be an offering of devotion. But this is saying if you're giving a gift to God, if you're offering God a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, but then you remember I got conflict with somebody, does Jesus say continue worshiping? It's amazing to me that Jesus teaches us. That the priority to God is not so much your act of worship, more than you making peace with your brother and sister. Let me say that again, because you cannot miss that. Because some of us have become so religious, you, you would think, God, you prioritize me worshiping you more than making peace with my brother and sister. No, no. Jesus is teaching us that, hey, if you're offering a, a sacrifice of praise, but you have conflict with somebody there, you need to leave that gift down, go and reconcile with that person, then come back and worship. Because like it says the first child, how could you say you love God but hate your brother? Something doesn't match up there. Something is missing. So Jesus teaches this that horizontal relationships. My relationships with people affect my vertical relationship with them. But if I'm not right here, I can almost tell you 100% you're not right here. If I'm not right with people, I have a lot of conflict going on in my life that's unresolved, that's not being addressed, that's not you know, being, being spoken into. And I try to worship God. God is kind of like, hey, 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 hey. Lay that down and get right with people. I'll be here when you come back. The priority here is peacemaking. So what is the implied step here? The first step to handling conflict correctly, biblically, is that in the middle of worship, when it's easy to forget where you are, it's 
solve conflict correctly, the first thing you need to do is engage in some real honest self-reflection before you look out. The first look needs to be in. It needs to be in. Why does it need to be in? Because we are all broken, like I said earlier. Uh, conflict originated in the garden, first between God and between his creation, and then between the creation and other creations. It's always been there, and because of the brokenness of sin, uh, this affects our relationships. So the inward check must happen first. You need to ask yourself, how have I been responding to this conflict? Is there something I need to repent of? What you're doing here is you're preparing your heart to be in a posture of humility. Before we even step two, which we'll get to in a second, you're preparing your heart to be in a posture of humility by saying, um, you know, how did I contribute to this conflict? Well, my response is appropriate. Honest self-reflection. The self-reflection here is not there for you to blame others. It's not there to say they're more at fault than me. This self-reflection has one goal. Get your heart right. Get your heart right first before you fix any conflict. And listen, these steps that you take, I believe 99% of the conflicts you experience will be handled correctly and you'll have a good outcome if you take these steps. That's how important I think this, this, this word is to me. Just real life, real applicable stuff in the workplace, your family, your kids, your, your marriage, any area, this applies to everything. The first step to resolve look in first. What role do you play? And that it gets your heart centered. You align your heart first before you confront the person. So that means taking accountability for, for whatever part you played, whether you had a crazy outburst or you lashed out and you used the screen, you yelled and you did that. Take responsibility for that. Claim it, own it, repent of it. Ask the person for forgiveness before you even start the conversation, right? Or maybe your action wasn't as out there, but was something a little bit more slick and underhanded, like you've been gossiping about, you know, about that person at work. No one hears it. That's kind of a secret, or you've got bitterness in your heart or resentment towards that person. Those are not outward displays of negative emotion, but they're inward, secret displays of negative emotions. Claim it, own it, repent of it, ask for forgiveness for it. But be honest and look in first. Jesus teaches about the log in your eye, right? Compared to the speck in your brother's eye. So how could you uh, point the finger at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a beam, when you have uh, a log in your own eye? So it always begins with us first. Step number one, engage in honest self-reflection. Step number two that Jesus gives us here. He says, you remember, that's the self-reflection. You remember, you reflect Humility, I'm going to lay my sacrifice down. That's the humility. I'm going to lay what I want to do, worship God. I'm going to lay it down. To do what? To go. Step two, handle conflicts in person. Conflicts should always be handled face to face in person. Without fear. Not text message. Not voicemails. Don't even FaceTime. Jesus says, go. Go to, go to the person. Go directly to them. Listen, 99% of the conflicts that we 
rest is tough. Jesus says, no, listen, I know this is hard. For many of you, we want to avoid conflict at all costs. We want to bury it deep inside. Some of you are happy pretending like it doesn't exist, that it's not the correct way to handle it. There's people who will explain conflicts away. And they'll say, well, if I just keep away from that person, you know, I'll just, I'll just keep the peace. I'll just keep the peace. That's avoiding. That's not handling conflicts. The person who's meant this for you to initiate, to go, to make peace. To make peace. Even if you think it's 99% of the other person's fault. I'm going to say that again. Because remember, we're broken, we're selfish, we're prideful. We're generally in the minority when it comes to the percentage of blame. Even if you think it's 99% the other person, your command is to still go. Initiate and make peace. It's scary. You might be thinking, what if they reject me? What if they confront me and they just blow up at me? What if they misread my intentions? They think I'm trying to manipulate them. Look, that their response is their responsibility. Their response to your initiations of making space, making peace, is their responsibility. It's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to go to reconcile, to go and to restore. And let me just say this, because I know some of you, when you hear this, you say, all right, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go. I'm going to write down all my arguments. I'm going to have all my ducks in a row, and you're going to go into this face-to-face meeting in person. Just start blasting. Boom, 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 boom. When, when Jesus says go and break this out, he doesn't say go to war. He doesn't say go and give him a piece of your mind, go and get it off your chest. The culture says that, right? We say that. Jesus says go and reconcile, go and make peace. Remember the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of God. Peacemakers, right? So it's not a declaration to go to war. It's a declaration that I'm coming to make peace with you by having an honest conversation. Come, let us reason together so that we might be restored once again. Come, we don't deal with conflict resolution. Max Lucado says this, I love this quote. He says, Conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. Conflict doesn't mean you have to have combat. The invitation to go is not an invitation to go to war. It's an invitation to come and to make peace with somebody. This is why step two is, is why step one is so important. Because if you, if you self-reflect, if you are in a position of, of humility, of your heart is in the right place, you're not going to want to go to war. You're, you're, your heart is right. Your heart is aligned. You're going to seek peace and you're going to make peace. That's like what preparation self-reflection is so important. Um, so, what if things go wrong? What if you have this face-to-face and somebody snaps, somebody blows up, they do confront you, they say, I don't even want to talk to you, get out of my face. Again, their response is their responsibility, right? If that happens, you, you, should, you should thank them for their time and quietly dismiss yourself and walk away. Cannot make someone go there with you, but they don't want to go there with you. But what does that mean? You're done. Your responsibility is done. Tell Jesus honestly and to you. Jump with 
rule applies here in this one. This is in Matthew 18, verses 15. And it says, if another believer sins against you, you have conflict with somebody, go privately and point out the offense, right? Self-reflect. You, you are aware that there's conflict here. You've had some self-reflection time. Your heart is in a position of humility. And with grace, you're going to go approach this conflict. You're, you're in the going part now, right? You're in the going. It says if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Well, that's the positive outcome. They listen, they confess, you see restoration. There's reason, there's restoration here. But, verse 16, here's where the situation turns sideways. And if you are unsuccessful, somebody snaps, somebody can't handle this conversation, somebody gets ugly and cheated. If you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again. Don't quit in trying to resolve the conflict. Now, these are not my rules because I know people, they say, hey, I'm going to give you one shot. That's all you get. And if God only gave you one shot, and that's all you got. Saying there, look, if it's on you, do everything. 
Jesus Cristo.